But our foundation is, is really altruistic. It, it's all about three things, registration, education, and inspiration. The, the inspiration part of it is that, that anything's possible. I, I thought when I was first diagnosed with PSC, primary sclerosing cholangitis, and informed that I'd need a transplant, I thought it was a death sentence. I'm way healthier. I'm way stronger than I ever was before my transplant, before my waiting list experience and, and six years hoping and praying for that second chance. And uh, now uh, approaching my my 13th Leadville 100 and racing Power of Four this weekend. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to show my friends in the transplant community what's possible after a transplant. Hey guys, Draft here. Hope you are doing well. Thanks as always for dialing in to the podcast. Um, really excited to share something special with you today. Uh, this is an interview that I just recorded uh, with my dad, Mace. If you've been listening to the podcast, uh, you know dad very well. Uh, and uh, and a very special guest, Chris Klug. Um Chris received a life-saving liver transplant in the year 2000 and very shortly thereafter earned a bronze medal in snowboarding at the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. And uh, more than that, he's just uh, gone on to continue his life as, uh, as an amazing person and as someone who's making a huge difference, uh, especially in the Oregon donation world. Uh, he has headed up for, I think, over 20 years now, the Chris Klug Foundation, uh, an organization, a nonprofit, of course, that's all about uh, organ and tissue donation and awareness in that area. Um, and that is a cause that's uh, that's near and dear to my heart. You're going to hear that whole story uh in that podcast about how important uh, organ donation has been um, to our whole family, to my mom, uh, to my dad, uh, to my uncles who've who've both donated kidneys as well. Uh, it's just it's it's extremely important to us. Uh, so we're going to talk all about that. You're going to get to to learn all about Chris. Uh, like I said, he's a he's a great dude. He's a successful professional, uh, a father, and and also an athlete. Still a serious uh, athlete um, as well. We're, we'll get into that. Um, but I'm going to make a request uh, to to you, um, really. If if you're a part of this audience, especially if you listen regularly. I've said it before. I want you to know you're you're part of our team. Um, you know, for for Dad and I, as as we navigate this Alzheimer's journey, as we go through life, um, I really enjoy hearing from listeners. Uh, we don't have a huge audience, but I think we we have a very dedicated and team oriented audience. And and I just want you to know I really appreciate that. And uh, and I'm going to ask you for for your help on this one. Um, I am going to ride the Leadville 100 bike race this year as part of the team for the Chris Klug Foundation. Um, this is something I'm super excited about. I'm really just uh, glad at the bottom of my heart to be able to combine, you know, something I love as, as far as training and racing and being out there with the athletes I coach. Uh, but combining that with with a greater cause, and, and particularly a cause 
in this case, organ donation that I that I really care about and and that I want to support. Um, through that team, uh, I'm working hard to uh, raise money to ask for donations for the Chris Kluke Foundation, and this is money that they use to create programming, to spread awareness, uh, to to spread the stoke about organ donation, um, everything they do. Uh, and, and I want to help them do that. And I'm asking you as a listener to help out. It doesn't have to be a big contribution, um, but I'm telling you, man, if everyone who listens to this could maybe throw in five, 10, 15, $20, something like that, that would add up and, and we would, uh, we would hit our goal. So that's what I'm asking you to do. Um, the website is, runsignup.com slash Travis Macy CKF. Again, runsignup.com slash Travis Macy CKF. This is the fundraising website for our project with the Chris Klug Foundation. Uh, That's also going to be linked in the show notes. I think it's on my Facebook page. Uh, as well. And, uh, and I'm asking for your support and, and I'm actually, I'm asking you to, if you can donate a small amount and, and to also, if you would consider sharing that link, uh, with at least one other person, especially if you know someone who, who's involved in organ donation or maybe someone whose life has been impacted by it. Um, please share that link with them. Runsignup.com slash Travis Macy CKF. Thanks a lot for considering that. Uh, we really appreciate any support that you might be able to provide. Uh, please also consider checking out chrisklugfoundation.org. We'll get that linked in the show notes as well. You can find out all the great stuff they're doing. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to my pitch and, uh, and considering making a contribution. On to the podcast with my dad, Mace, and the one and only Chris Klug. Alrighty, I am so pumped to be here today uh, with two guys I really like, two, uh, two people with amazing stories related to organ donation. Uh, one is my own dad, Mace, and, and our guest today. Chris Klug of the Chris Klug Foundation. Chris, before we get into the questions, I, I have to. I've, I've been getting ready here, and uh, the the listeners won't see this. But number one, I got my buff, my Chris Klug Foundation buff. I wear this thing all the time. Live life, give life. Dad's got a bunch of these too. Man, we 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 wear the shirts and everything everywhere. And then Chris, even even better. Um, check out this oh, guy. That- Travis, that's a gem right there. That's what I learned on about a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So this is the Burton Backhill snowboard. Um, I'm looking at the registration number. It says five B one two nine one. I don't know if that means anything, or I was wondering if it means 1991 or something. But but, Dad, do you remember this snowboard, Dad? Because this this was your board, like when snowboarding was being created. You you bought this thing, Dad. Do you remember going on that? What is it? Let me see it. It's a it's a snowboard. So this is for the listeners. It's the Burton Backhill. This thing it's it's a 
maybe you should describe it, Chris. It's plywood with rubber things. Hold on it's a second. Like, I'm going to do better. <laughs> okay. Chris has got, oh, dude, you got the red one right uh, behind you. <laughs> you got the, what is that? The Burton Performer? Uh, the Burton Performer right here. All righty. That was my first ever snowboard. And I actually learned on uh, the back hill yep. in moon boots and duct tape. And if you remember, like, Right here at the nose, yeah, it has yep. two holes, and it had the leash that yep. went from the nose of the board to your front hand, and uh, you use that to kind of stabilize as you were, uh, you know, your bindings <laughs> were just sort of a, a bungee strap, you know, yep, yep. little support. But yep. that's how I learned. I learned on that back hill, and then for Christmas, I asked Santa for a, a new performer, and this was my first snowboard. Yeah. All righty. Well, excellent. This is, uh, yeah, they're super cool. I love looking at this thing and I, dad, I always think of you when I look at it because it was originally your, your board and, and I used it, you know, I would bring it out on the sledding hill when I was... I lost that. Well, did you? Did you take it? I, I mean, I don't know if I took it. I it's it's at my house, <laughs> not at your house. I'm the second one. Where did that board go? It was uh, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, the first. What was it? The name of it? It's yeah, the, it was the first snowboard, the Burton. Yeah, these. So yeah, uh, the well, I mean, we're yeah, we're talking. Together. Yeah, yeah, and these are the ones I even heard that uh, y- you know uh, Jake from Burton, right? You know these stories. I'm kind of getting off track, but he would he like went on road trips and he to sell boards and he came back with more boards than he left with because the shops couldn't sell them and they made him take them back and stuff. <laughs> so many good memories. I got to tell you just to, uh, to digress for a second. Those are some of my favorite memories in the sport. I got to do three Olympics and, and do what I love to do, travel in the world, riding my snowboard all over the world, living out of a suitcase. And I look back on those early years of snowboarding. I was born here in Colorado, but actually learned how to snowboard at Mount Bachelor in Central Oregon. Mm. And I just look back at, at those memories and what we were involved with, and it was just so special. And all I wanted to do is go out and ride my snowboard and, uh, <laughs> and get better and, and improve the equipment. And I just loved doing it. And I wasn't the best. There was a lot of guys that were gals and guys that were more talented. I just, I think I had the passion and the drive. And, and I try to instill that in my kids that are 10 yeah. and 12 now that, that work ethic and, and passion and and love for the game and, and love for what you're doing is is more important than than all the all the God given talents in the world. And I see my son now pursuing hockey and working hard and and he's getting better and better and better and and you can just see it's because he, he loves it. And I just look back at that snowboard; it brings back so many special memories of of the early years of the sport when the camaraderie and that that friendship and being a part of something special, just the energy is what, you know, I still love today when I'm out there riding on a good powder day at my home mountain in Snowmass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I love it. So, so speaking of that period, Chris, um, we've, we've talked a lot about uncertainty on this podcast, whether that's related to dad's Alzheimer's journey or related to people doing, you know, endurance challenges, business challenges, right? You know, uncertainty is, is part of life. Um, that's the word that comes to mind when I think of your story. 1993. Tell us, like, how old were you? What, at what point in life were you at? I know you were into snowboarding. What else was going on? And, and then what was what was the news that you got 
regarding, you know, a medical diagnosis and, and like, how did, how did that uncertainty sit with you? You know, I think at a relatively young age. Well, my, my first real experience with uh, organ donation and, and transplantation, I would say was I'm sitting at, at Dr. Everson's office at the old university of Colorado hospital on, uh, on university Boulevard there. And he tells me, you're going to need a liver transplant one day. And I remember looking around the room thinking, who in the heck is he talking to? He can't yeah, be talking yeah. to like a million bucks. So I'd say yeah. my, my initial reaction was total denial. And, and I thought he was a quack and that he had the wrong patient. And uh, after I would say a year or two of trying to go at it on my own and, and find an alternative route, I learned that he was right and, and really had my best interests in mind and, and helped save my life. Yeah. Um, after being on a waiting list for about six years, but you talk about uncertainty, that's probably one of the most uncertain places to be in life is on a transplant waiting list, just hoping and praying for a second chance and wondering what your future holds and, and if and when you may ever get that call or not. Yeah. And uh, I thought at times that I might, I might die on that waiting list. And uh, it's a very scary and precarious place to be. So uncertainty is, the definition of, of being on a waiting list for an organ transplant. And that's kind yeah. of what Luke foundation. And I would say my life's mission is all about. I made a commitment to myself and my family. And as a part of my faith, I said, if I get through this, I'm going to do everything I can to give back and, and help remove, as you say, some of that uncertainty and, and ensure help ensure that everyone that needs a transplant and, and is waiting for the gift of life can get a second chance at life. And, and that's what, yeah. EKF and our, and our mission is, is really all about and, and what my life's mission is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, good, good job. What, um, if anyone's listening to this, maybe they're on a transplant list or, you know, or maybe navigating some other medical uncertainty. Do you have any advice for people who are in that, um, that situation, Chris? Yeah. I, you know, let me just take a step back for a second to answer that question is, uh, not not to sound salesy here in any way. Our, our foundation is about trying to help other people, not not sell mm. this or that. I'm in sales professionally, and, and I love it. I love telling the story of a product, and I love you know helping helping people um, buy and, and sell homes and, and achieve their their dreams and their goals. But our foundation is is really altruistic. It, it's all about three things: registration, education, and inspiration. And mm. so I would say, in response to your question. Um, the, the inspiration part of it is that, that anything's possible mm. that, uh, I, I thought when I was first diagnosed with, um, PSC primary sclerosing cholangitis and told that one day from Dr. Everson and, and then Dr. Com, the, the head transplant surgeon at university hospital, six years after being informed that I'd need a transplant, I thought it was a death sentence. And then mm. I came to learn, okay, maybe maybe I can survive this, but my quality of life is going to suck. Yeah. And, and so I would say the, the inspiration pillar of our foundation is, is that I'm way healthier. I'm way stronger than I ever was before my transplant, before my waiting list um, experience and, and six years hoping and praying for that second chance. And uh, now uh, approaching my my 13th Leadville 100 and racing power four this weekend. And I don't yeah, say that. Yeah. Brag. I say that to say, to show my friends in the transplant community, what's possible after a transplant. I'm now yeah. down to 
a very, very low dosage of, uh, of Rapimune as an anti-rejection drug. I train hard and play hard and uh, just trying to keep up with my kids today. And so my message to anyone waiting for uh, a second chance for a transplant today, or for that matter, anybody going through medical adversity or, or challenges in their life is to, is to persevere and, uh, and mm. never give up. I love the Winston Churchill quote of never, never, never quit. And that's yeah. always been a mantra of mine is, uh, is, to, is to dig your heels in and, and, and not lose your focus and, and, and not give up because my story is, is all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Let's, uh, we're going to get back to all your, your stuff, including, you know, shortly after your transplant, Olympic bronze medal, lots of fun stuff involved there, stories you want to hear. But I want to, dad, maybe go to you while, while things are a little fresher here at the beginning of the podcast and, and talk dad about your, your organ experience. So maybe that starts with, um, really with, uh, your your wife, my mom, Pam, um, who received Chris similar to news to to you that that she had uh, an autoimmune condition that was basically eating away at her liver, uh, and you know she received this diagnosis. Um, you know, probably would have been early to mid seventies, and you know there was less knowledge of what's going on. You know, tr- liver transplants weren't really a thing at that time. You know, they kind of said, "Well, let's just sort of manage it." Uh, you know, fast forward to to nineteen ninety, and you know she was going to die if she didn't get a liver. Same thing, waiting on the wait list. A, a liver came up. Thank goodness, you know, someone who who had passed away. I think it was a car accident. Had checked that box on the driver's yeah. license liver flies in, you know, um, I was seven at the time, obviously dad, you were, you know, you were what, uh, uh you know, in, into your forties and, and here it was mom got a liver and, and same guy, Chris, Dr. Eagle Com, I think yeah. who gave you a liver like 10 years later, this guy installs a new liver in my mom. Dad, do you, re- do you remember any of that, Dad, being, you know, didn't he take you back and he showed you mom's old liver? It looked like a burnt hamburger or something. Yeah, damn, it did look like a dirt, dirty hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dr. Khan is a guy, you know, he's saved the lives of probably hundreds of people, if not a whole bunch. And, yeah. man, I... Everybody knows who that guy is, and and man, he's just great for our family. That's for sure. Well, I'm yeah. here today because of him, and and because of a donor family that made a, uh, a heroic and, and selfless decision at a uh, very difficult time for that family. They lost their young 13 year old boy in a gunshot accident, and and complete strangers to me, they saved my life and three others. And, uh, and so I, I know I've said this, Travis, to you before, but, uh, you know, organ donors are the real gold medalists in this whole process. And, and for every recipient, there's a donor family that says yes. And, yeah. and I have the opportunity to, to do some public speaking and, and corporate speaking. I did it for many years uh, with my friends over at, uh, at Fujisawa, which became a Stellis that made the anti-rejection drug program that I took for many, many years. Mm. And uh, it was such a privilege to travel all over the country and get to share my story and my message. And there were three things that that I always um, wrapped up my talk with, or, or really were really important for me to to communicate in those meetings. And and the mm-hmm. first message, something that I already shared with you, is never, never, never quit. 
and uh, never give up. Uh, the other one was was a lesson I learned from my dad was uh, plan your race and race your plan. This mm. uh, this notion of visualization, not just in sports that we know uh, as athletes is so effective, but in life. And I remember sitting on Seven West, the recovery floor there at University Hospital, and I saw myself making big, beautiful turns on the Palmer snowfield on top of Mount Hood again. And I was there seven weeks later. And I see yeah. it in business every day that, you know, the manifestation of my, of my thoughts and my ideas. And it sounds really woo-woo and cheesy, but it works. And when my kids run around and say, oh, dad, I can't do that slap shot. Oh, dad, I can't buy a slalom turn. I'm like, don't say can't. You, you are what you believe. And so mm. my dad taught me that at a very, very early age is plan your race and race your plan. And then the final thing is is uh, something that you really made me think of is that none of us succeed alone. To, mm. uh, to win a bronze medal, you need a great team. And to uh, to have a successful outcome with a transplant, you need a great team. And that's Dr. Calm and that's his whole team with Dr. Wax and Dr. Bach and all the transplant surgeons and, and nurses and medical professionals, the donor family, and then your support network. It takes a great support network from my parents and my wife. And, uh, you know, they take, they say it takes a whole village and, and it really does to, to be a, uh, an Olympic medalist and, and to get through an organ transplant. And yeah. I certainly had a, a lot of help along the way. And I hope I'm helping, uh, helping give back through CKF and through some of the other yeah. things we're because I've certainly received a lot of love and support and I'm here because of it. Yeah. I love it, man. I love the, I, I love that team focus, um, that, uh, that, that team orientation. I love what you said about donors, uh, you know, being the heroes and, and I got, I got to give a shout out to three donors in my family. Um, so that same year to 2000, when you got your transplant, my mom's kidneys pretty much tanked out. I, th I think the, you know, this, the, the immunosuppressants, the anti-rejection medication, I, th I think that's made a lot of progress over time. You know, when she got that liver in 1990, um, they were figuring things out and, uh, and she also got hepatitis C with a blood transfusion, um, cause they couldn't test for it at the time. So anyway, 10 years later, her kidneys were shot and she needed a kidney and, uh, and her brother, uncle Bry, Brian Pence showed up boom, gave her a kidney and it worked, it worked great for like 15 years. And then that one petered out and she needed another one. Her other brother, Uncle E, uh, Eric Pence, um, shout out to Uncle E, you know, Uncle E's now finished the Leadville 100 run. I think he's closing in on 30 times. We're going to chat more about Leadville because that's, you know, that's another thing that we all love. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. So Uncle D donates his kidney to my mom she gets it. She, she's doing great. Still working. He do, does a Leadville 100 run eight months later and he was fine. He did it faster than the year before. And that's a great Testament. I think to, you know, you can, you can lose a kidney and still be doing good. And then dad, you donated a kidney. Do you remember that dad? Uh, 2018, you decided you wanted to give back and you're, do you remember anything about that experience dad or the good, what's his, what's his name? Our, our buddy in Kansas who got your kidney, you were able to continue his life. Yeah, sure, I remember it. <laughs> you can't lose, you just not remember something like that, you know. You know, he's, yeah. a, he's a guy and he lived in Bird City, Kansas, wherever that is. <laughs> but, and, the, and, you know, he needed a, he needed a, yeah. 
intended to he needed to live, so I gave him a, a I forget what they, what it's called. What is it? Yeah, I mean, one year one year kidneys. Yeah, they yeah, took one out. Yeah. You still have one, and it's working fine. Yeah, yeah, That's and, awesome. Yeah, and, and he, what an amazing legacy you live. Yeah, you know it's it's pretty cool. I, every now and again, I think about him and wonder, man, Bird City. <laughs> what a great place, man. He's not down here, and, and you ought to know that. Uh, I heard it. Uh, doctors talk talked to us and said that Travis was not gonna he's not gonna uh, live I don't know why there was but and without that stuff Travis wouldn't be here today you know they, they, yeah. they, just, said, they just said he's 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 not gonna make it he's just an old or a little kid well, I think I think maybe what they said, Dad, is when Mom was pregnant with me, there were some concerns around her liver condition. You know, right. they might be worried about her pregnancy, and you know, you you and Mom decided uh, to to have faith um, yeah. that things would be okay. You know, and turns out they were. And 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 Chris, that's actually a question I want to ask you. You've you've I've listened to some of your other interviews, and you've you've already used the word here today. You, you know, you've said my faith, um, you, you know, that it seems to me that's a big part of your life. Like what, um, tell us about that. What does faith mean to you and how does it, you know, kind of come forth, I guess, in, in, in your actions, uh, and in your life as a whole? I think it was really, uh, really clear for me, Travis, when I was preparing for the lights of the anesthesia to, uh, to go out and, yeah, for me to uh, be wheeled into uh, that surgery room and and prepare for the transplant, and I I almost felt like I'd prepared for an Olympic event or, or a World Cup, and and I felt like I'd unturned every stone that I could. I'd done everything I could to put myself in a position for a positive outcome, and uh, and trained in effect for this race for my life, if you will. And I remember thinking just before the lights went out and, and the anesthesia took effect, I remember thinking, well, it's in God's hands. And uh, I hope I wake up. I hope that I get to continue this this life that I love and, and give back and fulfill that commitment that uh, I'd made to helping others through CKF and, and giving back. And so I guess that's I've always been uh, my faith has always been an important part of my life. Um, but it was really, really poignant. And I would say uh, I was really reminded of it uh, as I was preparing for that transplant. I said, well, I, ho I, I hope I wake up. It's in God's hands now. And, and sure enough, it was. Yeah. I guess you realize the, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, how, how, I don't know quite what to say, but but just the, the the nature of that moment and and how powerful it was yeah yeah and and I think also the the preciousness of life and and that uh, I was very I'm very grateful to to have the second chance and that's somewhere yeah. you know how I live my life is that I try to try to pack it all in and make the most of it because it is precious and uh, we only get to do it once and in the grand scheme of things it's fairly short so I'm, yeah uh, trying to make the most of it.
Yeah. Do you do you think, Chris, for you looking very closely at your own mortality, probably at a you know at a younger age, I think, than most people are starting to think about those things. Did that color your your outlook on on the rest of your life? And even like you said, that word gratitude. Um, has that had an impact? Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I, it sounds a little cliche, but standing on death's doorstep one day and then getting a new lease on life the next uh, gives you a heck of a perspective that uh, this life is short and uh, our time here is is somewhat tenuous. And uh, I just intend to make the most of it and, and try to leave it a better place than I found it. And uh, that's not easy. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's complicated and uh, trying, yeah. to, trying to do the best that I can. But yeah, that's a huge part of it is uh, and trying to instill in my in my kids too. you know, whether I took my this is kind of a funny side story, but I took my kids to the uh, Taylor Swift concert this past summer. And it yeah, was a great excellent. Experience. It was a heck of a show. Yeah. And uh, she's an amazing athlete and performer. And, and I really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really was grateful to sort of take it all in and see what it was all about, but we were we were traveling there on uh, on lime scooters, mm. and uh, staying at our buddy uh, Bob and his wife Chris's house, and went through kind of a tough section of downtown Denver, and there was a lot of homelessness, and and you could see some some drug use and uh, and really some some people that were struggling, and my kids were scared to go through there; mm. they just don't see that in Aspen Snowmass a lot. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and really, they were scared. And I said, don't be scared. These are these are also God's children. Yeah. And I said, they're just having a tough time. And I said, but they're still God's children. And so something we're really trying to instill in the kids, too. I, I want them to find their path and, and their own belief system and, and whatnot. But it's important for me to for them to know that, hey, we're, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in, in some way. So that, that's just yeah. a little side story. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. And and what a man, just when I step back and I think about this whole idea of like having an organ from one body and moving it into another body, like what better testament of like we are in this together and we are a shared humanity. And and like you said, man, Chris, this new lease on life, I think of my mom um when she got uh that that second kidney donation you know here we are that relatively recently you know end of 2017 man she went into that operation chris and she she did not look good there wasn't color to her skin i mean she just you know she was going to die if she didn't get a new kidney like you know pr- probably similar to you like if if you have an organ that's failing you're you're not doing well and she woke up after that and like no joke we walked back to the recovery area and even right after a very strenuous operation in the anesthesia, she just looked better. Like the color was in her face. <laughs> she was, you could tell, even with the grogginess and coming out of surgery, like she would, you could just tell her body was working better. And like, what, what an amazing combination of, uh, you know, f- faith, shared humanity, science, like all of these things coming together. It's just, it's fantastic. And that's why, uh, you know, like, that's why I want to talk about organ donation because it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. And to have that chance as, as a donor, you know, whether someone, they, if they want to be a live donor of a kidney or tissue or, or probably for most people, I mean, for, for me, like, it's just, it's on the driver's license and my family knows that if something happens to me, like, man, 
shred my body and give it to whoever needs it. Um, like that's how I want to go out. (laughs) I can't take it with you where you're going. So, uh, might as well help somebody else out and give it away. You know, I had the same experience like your mom. I, I remember my, my health was pretty compromised and, uh, I'd lost, I'd lost about 35 pounds and I was a little bit jaundiced and, you know, just had no energy and and my health was really deteriorating. I, I don't know how many more weeks or months that I had left, but it was, it was a little scary. And I remember after I got that transplant, I woke up and it was like somebody dropped a brand new engine in me. And I knew right then and there, not only that I was going to make it back, but I woke up and I said, Oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Mm. I'd run around my whole life with a compromised liver and yeah. dropped a brand new, perfectly functioning liver in me. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to make it back for sure. Yeah, and I just I just knew that my dreams and and ambitions were were no longer on hold. It was going to take you know a little patience and a lot of hard work to to bounce back from that. But I knew that uh, my Olympic dreams and and Salt Lake City 2002 was uh, was still on track. Hey, folks, want to tell you real quick about the one supplement that me and my dad Mace take every day for lifelong brain health. This is Relevate by NeuroReserve. You can check out NeuroReserve.com slash Travis Macy for 15% off. Relevate, one soft gel and two capsules daily. Again, it's a supplement that provides core dietary nutrients for lifelong brain health. Check out NeuroReserve.com slash Travis Macy for 15% off Relevate. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So you, I think you had already gone to the Nagano Olympics, right, in 98. And we're talking here um, snowboarding, like not not the half pipe, not the Sean White thing, but um, is, is it called slalom, right? You're racing down the hill. Yeah, through. I did all the racing events, slalom, giant slalom. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. And all the parallel events. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, so you're now what within, I, I think 18 months or something of, of the Salt Lake Olympics and, you know, the homecoming Olympics. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you were pumped about it. I, I heard you tell the story. You, you know, you're coming out, you got all the machines and tubes hooked up to you and you have this vision, like I'm going to be there. I'm going to be with my team doing this thing. And, and you were, and, and you were chosen Chris, uh, at that opening ceremony. And I'm sure I watched this on TV, um, to carry in, you know, 2002, here we are very close post 9-11. Um, you got to carry in like a 9-11 flag into the Olympic Stadium. Tell us, tell us about that. That also was a, a really powerful moment. I got to carry the flag uh, that was found in the rubble uh, at ground zero on, on 9-11 uh, into the opening ceremonies to kick off the 2002 uh, Winter Olympics. And, and we yeah. were accompanied by two Port Authority heroes, Frank and Tony. And uh, I remember as we were preparing to parade out into Rice-Eccles Arena to kick off the 2002 games, I remember thinking, this crowd is going to erupt in applause when we, when we walk out into the arena. They're going to go absolutely nuts for these two Port Authority heroes and, and for what this flag stands for. And uh, get ready for this onslaught of applause. And as we walked out there, it was utter silence. You could hear a pin drop. And initially, mm. I thought, what the heck is wrong with these people? Don't they know 
what this flag stands for and, and who these Port Authority heroes are. And then you realize just out of sheer respect for the events of 9-11, it was utter silence. Yeah. I could have had a conversation with somebody up in the nosebleed stands with 55,000 people in Rice-Eccles Arena in, in downtown Salt Lake City. It was really powerful. And I remember holding the flag as they're singing the national anthem and uh, the wind was hitting and it was kind of billowing up and down. And it was so gorgeous, but it, but it was so powerful. I remember I almost passed out and I kind of realized I was standing there a little bit lock-kneed yeah. and I kind of had to start doing squats. So I'm like doing squats <laughs> over, over me. Like, what is this weirdo snowboarder doing? <laughs> yeah. I had to get some blood into my legs. It was such a uh, incredible event. I almost passed out. I thought that wouldn't be the opening to the uh, games that everybody wants. The snowboarder falls into the <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So I pulled it together and pulled it off. Wow. Man, what an experience. And then, you know, within days later, there you are, you know, doing your races, standing in the chutes. Did it, you know, were you able to take some energy kind of from that opening ceremony? Or what What was it like? What gave you the confidence to kind of know, like, this is my day to, to bring home a medal? Well, I, I was sixth in uh, in Nagano. I was second after the first run, just a couple hundred second off hundred. Excuse me, just a couple hundredths of a second off of the lead, and was real close to bringing home a shiny necklace in uh, in Japan in snowboarding's mm-hmm. first ever Olympics. And I came up short, and that was a little bit devastating because I was on a chance about waiting this in '98, and I thought, you know, I, I may not get another shot at the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, no I, kidding. I yeah, four years. And so when I, when I did get that transplant and bounce back 18 months later to, you know, be just six hours from my home in, in Aspen Snowmass in my second Winter Olympic Games and, uh, and representing our country on home soil, it was the two of the most magical weeks of my life. And I, I actually made it quite exciting. I barely qualified for the team at, right at the last event I qualified. Yeah. And so when I was going, I thought, you know, I, I'm now the first ever – organ transplant recipient Olympian. No one's ever done that before. I might as well just go win a medal. But there also wasn't the the pressure because, you know, I think nobody really expected me to pull that off. And so I thought, hey, I'm here and and I've achieved what I wanted to. Now let's go win a medal. I I came up short four years earlier. I was determined to get the job done this time around. And it it was just an incredible day. and, And no doubt that the energy of the opening ceremonies and, and all the events of that week energized me. And I just, I had it in my mind, just like I was talking earlier, like today's my day. I'm going to, I'm bringing home a medal. I didn't know yeah. what color it'd be and I wasn't sure how I was going to get there, but yeah, I yeah. To pull it off. Yeah. Wow. No, oh, man. What a, what a cool story. And, and, and I love, uh, you know, especially for athletes, like it's this balance between patience and perspective and, you know, letting things come as they may, but there are, there's moments like that, Chris, where it's like, man, this, this is go time, you know? And like, you, you may never be here again. And especially in a, in a speed sport like that, you know, we're talking whatever fractions of seconds, right. Yeah. Separate the medals. Um, everything's got to come I together. The final round by one, one hundredth of a second. So. Wow. Um, there was uh, somebody looking over me too, helping me out. Cause as good as you may or, or may not be, you also need a little a little bit of luck and some yep. good fortunes to uh, to pull something like that off. So it was it was really special. And then you know after winning my my Olympic medal in Salt Lake City in two thousand two, you know, celebrating with twenty five thousand people at the bottom of 
of uh, Peekaboo's run there in Park City. Mm. And that sea of people made up of, of my family and, and so many friends and, and people that helped me get through that six years on the waiting list and, and the recovery from the transplant. Uh, and another, another uh, important uh, team member that was in that crowd was my donor family. And I got to wow. meet them for the very first time the next day after doing the Today Show with uh, Al Roker and team. And then uh, I got yeah. to meet my donor family and put my Olympic bronze medal around their neck and, and wow. thank them in person and let them know that, you know, I'm here today because of them and, and their yeah. heroic decision. And uh, I was more nervous for that than I was for the Olympic race. Yeah. Wow, man, that's giving me chills that, that you got to meet them. I think about when the first time we met, you know, the recipient of dad's kidney, like these, yeah. these moments are, they're powerful, you know? Yeah. yeah. It so, really so, is. You know, I, I struggled with, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with how to put that into words, how to thank them. Mm, yeah. Ironically, I, I wrote them a letter six months later and I said, Hey, I thank God. And I thank you every single day for being here and for the second chance at life. Yeah. And being able to do what I love to do. And I went out the next day and won my first World Cup six months after my liver transplant. And I think it was a little bit of a, a weight lifted off my shoulders just because I didn't know quite how to communicate to them. How, how do you thank them for this uh, this gift that they'd given me and others? And yeah, uh, thank you didn't seem like enough. So being able to meet them in person and um, and communicate with them was really special. And they were at my uh, induction for the Colorado Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame, mm, and nice. Uh, we still we still communicate, and uh, yeah. yeah, the parents are no longer alive, but I communicate with the extended family and and some of uh, Billy Flood, my uh, my donors' family members. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, one thing I'm curious about, Chris, are, are uh, transitions in life, especially for athletes, athletes who've been at a, at a high level, you know, I can only imagine as a, as a pro snowboarder, World Cup, Olympics, et cetera, like, you know, this may not be all your life, but it is like, you know, this is the thing. This is what you've been striving for, where you're working hard, what you're spending time, you're training on, you know, it's, it's, who knows, for some people that becomes like a big component of the identity. And then at some point, there's a shift to, you know, whether you call it retirement, whether you call it something else, like how, how did that go for you? Was there, was there a switch? Like I'm no longer a pro snowboarder and I'm doing something else. Was there a gradual easing out? Um, how was, was that ever hard for you? Or were you kind of always like, Oh, I know what the next thing is. And I'm just, you know, grateful for, for what's to come. How, how did that period go for you, Chris? Travis, it was an amazing ride. And, uh, as I said, I got to do what I love to do for 20 years traveling the world on my snowboard and participating in three Winter Olympic Games uh, and representing our country was a dream come true. But I was ready uh, after 20 years of living out of a suitcase and Mm. I wanted to start a family. I wanted to get more involved in our community, get more involved with CKF and and help and change the landscape of organ donation in our country. Um, And, you know, I'm you still have that that competitive nature. You still have that that desire to to compete and, and push yourself and test yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm climbing 14ers in the summer with buddies, or or racing my bike at the local Aspen uh, Cycling Club series on Wednesday nights. Sometimes at first I had to give myself a sit down and be like, "Whoa, you, you need to tone down the game face because this mm. isn't your livelihood." And yeah. and we're competitive by nature. I had to just say, "Hey, listen." 
what are my goals out here? It's not putting food on the table. It's have fun, get a great workout and enjoy yep. the, the friendship and the camaraderie and, and yeah. push ourselves. I love but, that. The connection. That's the key. Yeah. That's where, because like when you're a pro, when you're a pro, you're just pushing. It's all the results. And, and like, at least for me as a young athlete, like there wasn't that perspective of how important the connection is. And I'm really glad now, like, man, when I go to a race, it's like all about being with the community and the people and feeling that vibe. And I still race like hell, you know, like, cause I love doing that, but it's also like the connection's even more important. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I still love to compete. And, and like I said, I'll, I'll do Leadville with you this summer and I'm yeah, yeah. driven to try to break eight hours. And this weekend yep. I'm doing yep. power of four. I'm kind of the Clydesdale division. One of the, uh, one of the bigger you know, ski mountaineers out there or, or bike Yeah, racers. but Chris, you guys are the world's fastest split boarders, right? Are you going, is it Chris Kelly again? My my buddy, is he your teammate this year? Or who, who are you going Kelly. with? Long too. He's a sub three hour uh, marathoner. Yeah. He and I did power four on split boards a few years ago. And yeah, I, I know. Buddy. I remember. It was fun. I'm going to do it on <laughs> yeah. skis this year. And uh, okay. I'll tell you what, it's, it's half as hard doing it on skis versus a uh, split board. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm on a split board again. I think yeah. I've done it three or four years on the split board and uh, about that on skis. So yeah. I yeah. Like I saw you guys on the split boards. I was out there with my teammate. It was his first schema race and, and you guys passed us coming down Highlands uh, for the uh, listeners. You know, if we step back to this power of four, this is a, it's a big challenging ski race, start in snow mass, finish in Aspen, four huge climbs, challenging downhills, man. My, my nightmares about the Congo trail have started already. Um, so it's, uh, it's big time stuff. Well, that's, I'm glad that you're skiing it, Chris. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's cool. And I'll, I'll look for you out there. It'll be fun. It's a, it's a good challenge. I'm not the prettiest skier, but it's fun when you ski being a lifelong snowboarder. Yeah. You know, when you're on skis, you're like, Oh my God, I, I feel like I have two snowboards on my feet. <laughs> yeah. You know, two edges instead of one. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. I'll be the so uh, snowboarder out there skiing. Yeah, yeah. So so what about the Leadville stuff? And and I sometimes when I think of Aspen and Leadville, it's like, you know, as the crow flies, like, God, they gotta be within, I don't know, 20 miles or something. They're not very far apart, but like when sort of culturally and the vibe of the town, you know, the Aspen area and Leadville. They feel very different, um, but everyone, you know, the Leadville races, like podcast listeners know, these are super special to me. Dad, you've done them over the years. They've, they've been great. And Chris, they, I think, played a big role in your life, right? Did you say 13 times now for the 100 bike? Is that something like that? You know, I, I retired in uh, 2010 and I've done every single one since. So this will be uh, excellent for me this summer. And, you know, I love it. I, I probably wouldn't do it anymore if we didn't do it. Uh, as an organization, as uh, as Chris Klug Foundation team, but I love the the training and the preparation with mm-hmm. him, and I love being out there racing. And you see the the live life, give life jerseys out there, and everybody's you know promoting organ donation, and um, I just love the camaraderie of it. And, and also, it's a fun challenge. You know, I've done it thirteen years in a row, and, and well, except for one in uh, with COVID, but thirteen yeah. years when they yep. hosted the race. Um, and I've got as, as close to, I think, 803. So I'm determined to break eight hours. So that goal still remains. And <laughs> I like that challenge. And, and it's just fun. We'll have, I think, 17 or 18 riders this year doing it uh, with CKF. And uh, it's fun to, to ready uh, yourself for the event. It's fun to prepare and, and train. And 
and then go out there and try to execute your plan. I, I like the whole process still. And as long as yeah. I enjoy it and it's helping us raise some awareness for the cause, then uh, count me in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for, thanks for letting me be part of the team. I mean, seriously, like I, um, I just, I love the Leadville races. I love being out there with, with people I've coached, you, you know, through the season and, and to help them kind of for many people sort of cap off the year. Um, but I'm just, I'm excited to be part of a team, you know, as, especially as an endurance athlete, like a lot of your training often ends up being solo. And that's, that's great. I love being out in nature alone, but I think there's a really special component to, uh, to being part of a team. And, and for me to be part of a team where I get to raise money to support something that's like really important to me personally, it's just, it's awesome. I'm, I'm pumped. Yes. We're grateful to have you. It's going to be fun. And maybe you can give me a few tips, help me finally break eight hours. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we can, we can talk training if you want to. I mean, I, you know, you know, the court, you, you know, exactly, you know what it takes. <laughs> yeah. But all, yeah. All down to the, uh, to the last 25 miles and, and getting up and over, uh, there you go. Power line and Sugarloaf. And if I can, uh, if I can do that efficiently, maybe I can pull it off, but you yeah, know, what, yeah. whatever. it's a fun challenge. I still enjoy it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, cool. Well, so kind of wrapping up, Chris, like, um, you know, just organ donation, like what, what should, what should people do? I know like visiting the Chris Kluge foundation webpage is a great place to start. You guys have a ton of resources. I was just looking over your latest newsletter. I mean, you're always putting on both in-person events that are super fun. You got the summit for life every year in, uh, in Aspen going up the hill, but also you're sending out staff to events to, just spread the vibe and get people signed up and, and educate about uh, or organ donation. Um, what else? What else should people know if they're curious about you know either be, you know being a donor per the driver's license in their family or even maybe live organ donation, whether that's kidney or something else. Well, this is uh, this is a disease in many cases that there's a cure for, mm. and there's a cure for this for this waiting list game. Mm, and that yeah. is saying yes to it's such a game. It's such a game. It's really, man, it's super complicated. It's yeah, it is. It's really hard to navigate too. And so um, CKF again is all about, um, about helping those that, that are in need of a life-saving transplant um, and inspiring everybody going through the process. And so the first thing I would say is, is have the conversation with your family, let mm. your wishes be known, and then go and document that, that donation decision. Um, you can go on to chrisklugfoundation.org. We have a map on there that's uh, in partnership with UNOS, United Network for Organ Sharing, uh, through HHS uh, and the U.S. government. And, and it allows you, whatever state that you're in, whether it's Colorado or, or Texas or, or New York or whatever, you can go to uh, that map and register in your respective state. Or you can go to donatelifecolorado.org to register in Colorado or many of the other state registries. So let your wishes be known when you get your license for the first time, or in our case, you get it renewed. So check that box to be an organ donor. Um, yep. Have a conversation with your family. Sign up for your state registries. And the state registry registration is important because if I'm out hiking or biking or mountaineering or skiing or boarding, I don't always have my license with me. And so God forbid there's an accident, they can pull up uh, that information and, know, and uh, let my wishes be known. Yeah, um, I'm here today because of it, Travis. And um, you think about one donor can save up to eight lives, improve as many as 50 lives. 
And yeah. what a legacy, uh, what a legacy that we can leave behind or, or while we're still here through kidney donation, uh, like, uh, like your father. And, um, yeah. I think that's just an incredible legacy to uh, help somebody else enhance their life or, or continue their life. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, a- amen to that. I I can tell you the you know just imagining like had had my mom lost her life when I was seven years old, like you know how my life would be vastly different. And and so I just you know I, f- I feel that same gratitude. And uh, you, one thing I like in Colorado, uh, and we have it on on our cards, the uh, the donate life license plates. That's kind of yeah. for for me a fun way to uh, you know just. It's kind of like a bumper sticker, but maybe a little more tangible. And um, so that's another another yeah, thing that's uh, got those on our cars on on both of them. I'm looking out in my uh, yep. front drive and it says donate life license plates. And, you know, one thing I think we can really be proud of is uh, we're the number one uh, donor registration state in the country at about 70 percent donor designation or donor registration. So, wow, yeah. I'm really proud of that. But but we're not going to stop. You know, we're going to continue yeah. over 100 percent until every single person that needs a life saving organ transplant can get one. And, and one of our our uh, mantras for CKF is eliminate the weight along with live life, give life. Yeah. And, and I'll just yeah. share with you in closing that that one of my real mantras, too, is enjoy the ride and, and don't take a single mm. turn. And, uh, you know, like I said, life is short. We got to uh, enjoy this ride. And and make the most of it, not take a a day out skiing or hiking or biking or whatever it is that you love. Uh, not yeah. take that. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I, I love it. Um, you know, dad, final, final question to you, dad, you're, you're still living life fully. I think you're enjoying it. You were just saying, dad, you were out uh, snowshoeing this morning. You might do, might do your repeats this afternoon. Dad goes out, he's got a road next to the house and he can, trek up and down it doing repeats. Um, dad, do you have any final comments or thoughts on this or any, anything you want to tell maybe either people waiting for an organ transplant or, or even people with Alzheimer's dad? Well, I'd like to talk to people to have Alzheimer's and, and, and a lot of those people, you know, it's, it's difficult for them. And, but, Alzheimer's can be beat. I've been beaten. <laughs> People have told me you can't do it. You can't do it. And I've talked to lots of people and lots of people will accept the fact that, yeah, man, I got to get, I got to get this stuff cleaned up now. And, 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 and Travis and I did a, a test one time in New York City with, like a, like a hundred people in it, and and we talked to those people and told them and told them you can beat Alzheimer's, and <laughs> don't don't let people tell you you can you can have Alzheimer's and don't quit. Well, I'm telling everybody that I know or or can see you can quit and you gotta quit and. Go back to your life, and 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 things will be good again. So yeah, thanks, Dad. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, Dad. And and uh, you know, I I tell you what, I'm looking forward to being out there with both you guys this weekend in Aspen. 
Chris and I are both doing the power four. I'll be looking for you in there in the dark, dark scrum at the start. Uh, 6 a.m. It is going to be dark. It is. Yeah. I lost my teammate one year. Don't, don't do that. Um, Dad's doing a snowshoe race this weekend. Dad's going to be in Leadville, our, our other favorite town, doing a, uh, a snowshoe race at the CMC campus. He's going to be up there with, uh, uh, with my uncle, Uncle E and, and our friend Jonna doing that. So, uh, and then really looking forward to Leadville, Chris, towing that line with you. Um, and, and, and seeing honestly, one of the best motivations for that is, is knowing that, that my dad's going to be there at the finish line, um, for me. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Travis, running with my kids down the final uh, stretch of the boulevard there. Oh yeah. Line up about a hundred yards out and we sprinted together and holding their hands is, uh, is a highlight of the whole race and gets me, it's, Gets me to the finish line thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. God, I can't quit now. My kids are there and yeah. my wife's at the finish line. So it's the best. Although me. this year, Chris, with your eight hour goal, you got to put them at the line because, you know, oh. there's a shit like you might be, you might be sprinting that final <laughs> stretch up the boulevard. It'll be tight. We can do it, though, Travis. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again. Really, really appreciate it. Um, been a ton yeah. of fun and uh, looking forward to more. I love what you guys are doing. There's a beautiful podcast and a beautiful message you're spreading. So thanks for uh, letting me be a part of it. Hey guys, thanks as always for listening to the Travis Macy show. If you enjoyed this, uh, please consider sharing it with someone else. You might also want to like, rate, review, subscribe, all those things uh, really help us. Please check out, if you would, the Chris Klug Foundation website. That's at chrisklugfoundation.com dot o-r-g and like i said uh if you would consider supporting our cause uh with the leadville 100 mountain bike race team and the chris klug foundation uh i'd really appreciate that i'm i'm working hard to uh support this cause and to uh to hit a fundraising goal for them that's at runsignup.com slash Travis Macy CKF. It will also be in the show notes. And one more time, runsignup.com slash Travis Macy CKF. Hey guys, uh, thanks as always. Just really appreciate, uh, like I said in the, in the start, uh, if you're listening to this, you're part of the team and we really appreciate you. We will catch you next week on The Travis Macy Show. The Travis Macy Show is part of the Palm Tree Pod co-network of podcasts. It is produced and edited by Anthony Palmer. The content for this episode is created by me, Travis Macy.